From the Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Quinn White, and this is Film Club. A podcast series where our youth film critics and cultural connoisseurs spill the theoretical tea on a new movie. These are spoiler-filled conversations, people, so be prepared to learn far more about what them trailers already told you. It's time for our holiday special. In this episode, our Atme crew will be debating a very important and pressing topic. What is the best Christmas movie? Each producer in this roundtable will present their pick for the best Christmas movie and plead their case to why it reigns supreme. Prepare yourself for some classic festive film picks, but some are going to be a little out there as well. They're also going to be talking about their favorite holiday movies growing up, what the worst Christmas movie is, and much, much more. Here is their discussion, led by Atme producer Rowie McCowan. I just want to introduce everyone real quick. My name's Rowie. Um, I use she, they pronouns. And the movie that I'm going to say is the best Christmas movie is The Holiday, featuring Cameron, whatever her last name is, and Jack Black, and all of the rest of the people that are in that movie. <laughs> Uh, my name is Zen Rogers. I use he, they pronouns. And the movie that I will be pitching as the best Christmas movie of all time is 2021's The Green Knight, starring Dev Patel. Um, I'm Madison Knudsen, and my pick for the best Christmas movie is The Santa Claus 2. And I use she, her pronouns. I am Ormond Lois. Any pronouns are fine. And the, my best Christmas movie is Requiem for a Dream. These are some wild movies. I am really excited to get into this one. Um, however, before we get into everyone's individual picks, let's talk about criteria. So what elements do you guys think makes a movie a good Christmas movie? For me, if it's it first and foremost, it has to be a good movie on its own merit. Um, like the good can't be only attached to Christmas. It has to be a good movie and a Christmas movie. So before we started this row, you actually reminded me of a good uh, criteria for this. And that would be don't have a white savior and don't be Hallmark. Because I understand Hallmark is full of white saviors and it is very, it's quite disgusting. Um, I, I don't know. Mine, I, I guess... I, I don't really have any like huge criteria. Uh, as you'll see with my movie, I've already not hit Zin's um, criteria, but just if it, I think it's really subjective. I think if it like in some way or another, um, like exemplifies like the holiday spirit or something or like resonates within you some sort of like, whether it be like the score or um, like set design or some something like that. Those are some good criteria. I would like Zinn and Ormond potentially, could you guys expand on your reasoning? Like what makes your movies or Christmas movies in general, if you had like a bracket list or whatever, um, deciding what is the best Christmas movie of all time, what makes them Christmassy? Yeah, so for me, I kind of, the reason that I chose The Green Knight specifically is I was just looking at all of my favorite movies that I consider to be Christmas movies. And that just happens to be my favorite movie within that grouping. I think what for me defines a Christmas movie is it can't just be set during Christmas, but it has to kind of 
involve some of the themes of those holidays. So like while the Green Knight, the story isn't necessarily a Christmas story, but all of it revolves around Christmas. And there is a sort of a journey that has to do with um, an Arthurian version of those sorts of holiday themes um, that I think lines it up with Christmas movies. It's not traditional. Uh, a lot of my other picks that fell slightly below the Green Knight are more traditional, traditionally aligned with those sorts of Christmas things, you know, have the tree and Santa or whatever, but I think the, the Green Knight still manages to, to make it up there. I picked Requiem for a Dream because there are certain directors that have taught me throughout life, those directors being people like David Lynch, Darren Aronofsky, who made Requiem for a Dream, and Christopher Nolan. And that thing they taught me intentionally or not is that it's really really easy to connect things to one another but it's better for people if you do it indirectly because it will be or it will appear subliminal so with that logic a movie doesn't have to be about or on christmas to feel that way if you give anything the appropriate context if you have anything to back you up it may not be or sound like the truth but it will serve as a great theory those are some i mean very <laughs> niche i will say um but really interesting um criterions that i'm i'm very very excited for this one guys just in general do you guys prefer Christmas movies where Christmas is the main focus or Christmas is just the time of the year that the story takes place? Because for me, I prefer Christmas movies where Christmas is just the time of the year. I kind of hate those like Christmas centrally focused movies, especially the ones that um, I think Orman was talking about where it's Hallmark movies and it's like, oh, it's a Christmas miracle. Like it's not yeah, they're fun if you're like having an anxiety attack, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the most quality movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I think there's a place for both. Like you said, sometimes those super cheesy Hallmarky movies can be great if you're panicked, having a panic attack or something like that. They're very, um, there's a comforting feeling to them, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the fact that I think having it take place during Christmas and with that aesthetic as like a backdrop is a lot more appealing to me than where it's like all about it. There are a few movies where it's all about Christmas that I'm drawn to, but usually I prefer it as an aesthetic background where sure those events might you know affect the story or especially affect the look of the movie, but whether or not the main, um, the main draw. I actually don't really prefer either one. I have a bit of a sub genre of Christmas movies that is basically a fusion of both of the two. I, I do like ones that are about Christmas or even on Christmas, but I, I don't want to feel that way immediately when the movie begins. Or I feel if, a, if it's just chock full of Christmas songs and celebration, that there's going to be a very unhealthy amount of emotion and it's going to rub off on me so that I'm going to have a weird aftertaste after the movie's over. I think with me, I, I can go for like either one, but I do like the. Um the when Christmas is like the background because it really like even if the story isn't necessarily about Christmas it just helps like that feeling 
Um, and I just, I, yeah, I, I also like when Christmas movies don't necessarily have that backdrop, but have some sort of like lesson that is of like the season of like valuing like family or a certain like value of a certain holiday during the holiday season um and stuff like that but I think I do prefer um where the movies where Christmas isn't like the everything even though my movie is pretty Christmas heavy but I usually more than often prefer those did you guys have a, like a quintessential Christmas movie that you watched every year when you were a kid? Um, and if so, how do you feel about it now? Because for me, that movie was most definitely the Harry Potter movies um, and also the Lord of the Rings trilogy because my parents are nerds. And um, I still watch those movies. We're actually in the process of finishing the Lord of the Rings trilogy again right now. But I still really like them, but I realize now that, especially with the Harry Potter movies, they're a little bit more problematic than I thought they were when I was a child, and they don't necessarily have, like, the same magic, literally, that they did when I watched them maybe for the first time or um, when I was little and sort of the more target audience. So I was wondering if you guys had anything like that. I'm going to jump in really quick because Lord of the Rings trilogy is also one of mine. I hope you're watching the extended edition. Um, <laughs> uh, I understand if not, they're quite long. But yeah, Lord of the Rings is one. I'm still a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I think um, there's one of my favorite movie trilogies of all time. Uh, I also also grew up watching the Harry Potter movies. And similarly, they are still, I still like revisiting them for nostalgia. But one with J.K. Rowling's whole... Uh, transphobia um shtick now and also the movies themselves the stories themselves have some things that haven't aged terrifically well so those ones yeah a bit more negative towards and then also elf uh, which i haven't watched in a long time i i'm not sure i will i don't want to kind of ruin the nostalgia if it turns out to actually be worse than i remember it being <laughs> uh with me i think it's probably a christmas story uh, my family would watch that every like Christmas day because they have the TBS thing where they play it like 24-7 on uh, Christmas day. Um, and I don't think like the movie's okay. And I think like the narrator getting the narrator who did the actual book was really cool. And I think that holds up. I think the, the performances hold up, but I think it's the commercialization of a Christmas story like every time I see the leg lamp I just I roll my eyes and I feel like I've watched the movie enough where it's like I it lost the magic um but also I think Polar Express as well I used to watch that a lot in school uh the animation didn't it's great but it's it's uh it's a little scary um and I don't know the story isn't as like uh exciting as I remember it being uh yeah well at my elementary school uh, later in the later parts of that life they uh, would have movies that we would play after uh, during lunch during lunch they played movies and it was a pretty fun experience the thing is I never did finish them because obviously it was movies that were long and we couldn't make lunch longer so I watched bits and pieces of Polar Express 
if I had to say which one of those during that time would maybe be my favorite, I would say Charlie Brown. I guess there might be more than one Charlie Brown Christmas film, but the one I saw, I remember that it wasn't what I thought it would be because uh, I was used to seeing Christmas movies with a bunch of action, but I didn't realize at the time that when it's Charlie Brown, you don't need a lot of action. It, it's a more mellow experience, even just in the finer details like the music and the directness or indirectness of the characters and, and how they speak and how they do everything. So that's what would be my quintessential Christmas movie as it's one of the few I have been allowed to see. For sure. And there's also like a certain amount of when you were a child, you thought that every single movie you saw was like the best movie on earth. Um, and every movie that you see after that just gets better. So as a child, I think definitely being like, oh my God, this movie that I saw is the best movie on earth. And there is no other movie that will ever be as good as this movie because I watched it and it is, and I like it. Also, Zin said something that was kind of funny, which is, you know, not revisiting the movies that you watched as a child, just to let them be what they are in your memory, I think is also an important thing to do because I rewatched Elf recently and I hate to shatter the um <laughs> I hate to shatter the 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 film that is collected on it but it's I don't like it personally um I think you know I think the performances are good but it's just not it's not fun for me but that's why it's not on our list today. So um, those are just my thoughts. So moving into the actual meat of today's discussion, could everyone explain? So your pick again, describe the plot and then plead your case as to why it's the best Christmas movie because not everyone has seen um, all these movies. I've actually never seen The Green Knight. So I know that I should have, I've just, I haven't gotten around to it. So um, if everyone should just like briefly explain the plot and then why you think it's the best Christmas movie. Yeah, so The Green Knight um, is based on the Arthurian text, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which follows said um, our Knight of the Round Table, Sir Gawain, as he is challenged on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, I believe, by a green knight who walks like a green knight of the forest who walks in he's challenged um to play a game which is if he if he can strike one blow on him he wins and then one year hence so the next christmas um that same he must venture to the green knight's home and the green knight will return the blow that was dealt unto him uh and yeah that's that's the story there's some other stuff that happens in the middle. And then plead your case as to why it's the best. Um, so I don't have a ton of backing for why it's the best Christmas movie, because really it's set at Christmas. And that's about it. Um, but I think that that's kind of where I'm coming from with it, is that it kind of upsets your expectations about what Christmas is, because it's very medieval um, in the way that the... Christmas celebrations are done in the Arthurian court is kind of very different from how we would do them now. Like they don't have any of the traditional imagery 
Um, in fact, a lot of times Christmas is used more as the winter season where when Sir Gawain sets off on his quest, he's met with uh, cold, bleak weather and kind of unpleasant people and unpleasant attitudes. And there's never any comfort there. And I think that that goes against a lot of the traditional Christmas things. And for me, that that's kind of an exciting thing about what makes it a Christmas movie, uh, about it as a Christmas movie is that it does go against a lot of those tropes. Um, but I guess it's really my main argument for why it's the best Christmas movie is, like I said in the beginning, it's technically a Christmas movie, and I just think it happens to be the best movie of all the movies that I like that are considered Christmas movies. And then I think it also happens to do some interesting things within the Christmas movie umbrella because it does go against so many of our presumptions about what a Christmas movie should and is, should be and is. Okay, so I'll do mine then. My pick is Requiem for a Dream. And I'd like to describe what my interpretation of the story is. It's um, about a family. The main protagonist is an old woman called Sarah Goldfarb. And she watches a lot of television. And a lot of the television involves her watching shows, game shows or not game shows, where you could win something or become famous as being in that game show you gotta have a very positive effect on your life so to attempt to prepare for this sarah starts taking a lot of pills to get more into that idea that she can show up to this show she can be famous she can be memorable and so can the rest of her family but as with a lot of medications, or as I see described here, amphetamines, she takes too many. She starts to spiral. And then we see a lot of stuff going on with other parts of her family, her, her son, and what, what he's going through. But his story, in my eyes, with its relation to Christmas is unrelated. We're only thinking here about Sarah. So she becomes an addict to these amphetamines starts having a distorted view of reality and it gets so bad that spoiler alert the movie ends with her delusional and bedridden i think the case for this movie is as i mentioned before about how it is obviously not directly about christmas but i think it connects to christmas in the way that addiction as a concept, is something that we're all afraid of. You can even become addicted to things that you need to survive. Eat too much, you die. Drink too much, you die. Breathe in too much air or too little air, you die. And addiction to things like belief in Santa, among other things, is no exception. General belief in Santa may be against my religion, but it is not something I see a problem with in families around the world. What I have a problem with is the idea that people think more and more that you can't have an addiction to something if it is or appears to be good for you or your family. Sarah's case in my mind is like when you take Christmas up to 11, having an elf on the shelf, telling children about whatever your variant is of what he does to naughty kids, or even just the songs that can in themselves be very fearful with the right context. You better watch out. You better not cry. 
And there is a lot of crying in this movie, even if it may not be about Santa and it may not be about Christmas, it is about addiction. And Christmas addiction, like it or not, is very real and awareness must be raised to protect the mental health of our future families. Christmas is a great holiday, but Requiem for a Dream to me is an example that we must never let that go too far. And that's my case. So to take a hard left turn, um, my pick is the Santa Claus 2. Not the first one, not the third one, the second one. Uh, so the plot is that Scott Calvin, who is now Santa Claus after the events of the first movie, uh, he's been Santa for about eight years um, when he hears, hears that his son Charlie is on the naughty list after vandalizing uh, property to make fun of his make fun of his uptight principal, Carol Newman. Um, and then on top of that, Santa uh, finds out that he has to get married before Christmas or he will lose his Santa magic. Um, Scott decides to make a toy clone of himself, which may or may not turn evil near the end, that will hold his cover at the North Pole while he travels back home to deal with his son and finding a wife. Um, my argument, kind of like Zinn, I don't really have a like a really structured argument. Um, I think the like base kind of thing for me for like this kind of Christmas movie where it's like fictionalizing the North Pole and Santa, you have to have a pretty solid Santa. And I think Tim Allen is that. There are way better Santas out there, uh, like Miracle on 34th Street, uh, the older and the newer versions. Um, and just like, yeah, there's way better Santas, but I think Tim Allen still does a good job as Santa. He like, you feel that kind of like, like that warm and inviting Santa, um, while he still maintains like sarcasm, uh, especially when he returns to like the real world. Um, and then I also think that the soundtrack is really good. There's not too much Christmas music, but there's just enough recognizable Christmas music that it, um, to me, I guess, with my childhood, um, reminds me of Christmas. And then uh, the score is also something, it's got that kind of like bells and like chimes, the magical Christmas sound. Um, that's kind of, it's kind of underrated. Um, and then also uh, the set design for the North Pole in this movie and for all of the Santa Claus movies, I think is like, it exemplifies cartoony like North Pole. Um, and I just think it's fun. And the, yeah, the physical sets are just always so fun. Um, and then finally, it's funny. I think it's funny. Uh, there's a few jokes in here that do not land, but I especially love the part where Molly Shannon does a cover of I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Shania Twain, excuse me, um, that like she Christmas Christmasifies it, um, and I think that's uh, it's great. That's a fun one. I've actually also never seen. I've seen the first Santa Claus movie, not the second one. My personal pick is The Holiday, um, the two thousand six movie. I also don't have like a solid setup argument for why it's the best Christmas movie ever. I will say that I didn't really watch it up until I was maybe like 16. 
and then started watching it a lot around Christmas time and it's just a classic and I feel like the performances are really good it's a really fun story of like very 2006 technology of like Airbnbs kind of similar like that where it's like you swap um houses for like a month or so and it's set around Christmas time Jude Law and Kate Winslet are siblings which I think is hilarious because they look nothing alike the only thing they have in common is that they're British um but it's still really funny and Jack Black is in it which automatically makes it like 50% better um because Jack Black is an amazing actor like in his own right and he's also hilarious um and I think what makes it enjoyable for me to watch is that each of the characters each of the main four characters have their own sort of like um narrative arcs that in turn relate to like a facet of what a lot of people think is like the Christmas spirit um Jude Law is revealed to be a widower and he has two daughters Cameron whatever her name is La uh, her character kind of goes through this whole narrative arc of being like a prissy LA girl to like falling in love with Jude Law's character and um, Kate Winslet and Jack Black's characters end up together which is sort of a um, out there pick especially for 2006 because I think a lot of people are like oh Kate Winslet should end up with a very socially acceptable attractive man and I'm not going to say that Jack Black isn't attractive just for the time it was not something that a lot of people were expecting so obviously it's a mostly all-white cast so it's not like it's groundbreaking in any way but I really like it and I think it really I think it holds up um and I really like the performances so what is your guys's personal connection to the movies that you guys listed? Um, like I said, I just started watching it like last year. Um, but have you guys watched this for a long time? Um, do you watch it every year since you've discovered it? How did you discover it? Kind of explain the story of how you've kind of invested in this movie. Yeah, uh, so The Green Knight only came out last year. So the first time I saw it was last year and I kind of instantly loved it. It checked off a lot of boxes for me, but funnily enough, it came out in July initially. Um, and I only saw it once, but then they did a rescreening of it uh, in December. Uh, Cause it's a holiday, it's a Christmas movie. And they were like, oh, we gotta, gotta play it around Christmas time. So they did. And I saw it again in theaters, which was really great. And I intend to watch it again this Christmas um, just cause I, I, I for me, it kind of checks off every single box of what I could want in a, in a fantasy movie. Um, and then it happens to also be a Christmas movie, so I can convince other people to watch it with me. They're like, oh, it'll be a fun Christmas movie. <laughs> They're in for a, a surprise. For me, the Santa Claus 2, I've been watching it since I was a kid, but um, the thing before like Disney Plus, you there was like a lot of Disney movies that you couldn't really like watch all the time and they would play like the Santa Claus and I remember the Santa Claus 3 
on like uh, I think it was ABC Family, but they call it Free Freeform now. Um, and so I'd watch those, but they would almost never play the Santa Claus too. And so I think for me, like when I got access to it through like you know iTunes or like uh, now through Disney Plus, it's just it's uh, kind of special because I didn't get to watch it all that much. For Requiem for a Dream, I would say I connect to that one because of uh, a little story about me and my memories are a little bit distorted. So bear with me on this one. One of the many medications I take used to be Xanax. I was offered by a family member to try Xanax for a little while. And it worked at first. On the first maybe maybe the first two days, it worked. But then as time went on, I found that it wasn't working as well anymore. And I started offering to take more and more of them until my family and I made the decision to cut that off and never go back to it. It was during or after this that I learned that Xanax, a certain amount of it can be fatal. And I felt really messed up knowing that. And it wasn't like I came close to overdosing, but I, I do think to myself, maybe I would have if I was using it any longer than I did. So I am eternally grateful to my family for saving all that time that we could have spent trying to control an addiction, which that's what it was. Even if it didn't last long, it was an addiction for me. And I got out of that, which that's not something a lot of people can say. They took not even a medication, just anything. And then they, they managed to leave before it could get worse. So that was a very uh, important lesson I learned. And as I said, I am so glad I learned it when I did. So that's how I connect to Requiem for a Dream reminds me that if I'm doing something too much, I got to either cut it off or get off of it more slowly, but I have to control whatever I'm doing too much so that it doesn't hurt me or my friends. Those are all really interesting connections. I would have, I kind of thought going into this that more people would have had more childhood connections to the movies that they picked. Um, even though mine isn't, I just kind of assumed that a lot of people watch sort of classic Christmas movies um, when they're younger, especially, I think, like Orman said, in school. Um, I watched A Charlie Brown Christmas when I was in probably like second or third grade. Um, I watched a lot of holiday movies in school, and looking back on it, I think, obviously, I I don't think I would choose any of those as like the best Christmas movie of all time, but I kind of thought there would be more of that. So I'm really glad that there isn't more than that. Um, and I'm, I'm happy that you, that we have a lot of unique perspectives here, um, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. Um, what is the most Christmassy part of your guys's movie? Um, I know that that's kind of a strange question. And I think Ormond, you've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but 
I would be really interested in knowing what else you think is the most like not not necessarily quintessentially Christmas but the most Christmassy part of your guys's movies well for me it was the red dress just saw it the first time and thought that's interesting I can see why someone would want to win that it looks pretty interesting but then re-watching those bits around Christmas I thought to myself you know I wonder I think I know someone else who wears a red dress all the time and I realized Mrs. Claus Mrs. Claus if that ain't Christmas I don't know what it's it's like the hallmark colors of Christmas red red and green red and white and green but it was red this time for the green knight the feast in which the namesake of the movie the green knight shows up is a christmas feast uh and so uh there's a lot of traditional even before you know current traditional christmas traditions are there so um like pine and holly and then the foods that they have out uh, are very a medieval it's a medieval christmas and arthur talks to gawain about it and has kind of that cheer there's you know music being played so on and so forth and i think that that that's probably the most christmasy scene in the whole movie but it kind of sets sets the tone sets the idea that this takes place during christmas and that uh, at least in the medieval sense thematically that lines up for me the the santa claus too um the most christmasy scene is probably it's like near the end um where uh, Santa Claus or Scott Calvin takes uh, Carol Newman, the principal, to uh, her, like, the teacher's, like, Christmas party. Um, so basically, like, they go to this really sad teacher, like, like holiday party, and um, Scott decides to give gifts to the teachers um, with, like, his Christmas magic. Um, and so basically, it's just, like, a whole scene of a bunch of like just kind of sad adults getting uh their like childhood christmas gifts uh like a like easy bake oven toss across um uh, there's a lot more but um it's just nice they play like run run rudolph uh over the scene um and then like he gives carol newman who is his love interest in the movie scott calvin's or santa's love interest uh he gives her a baby doll that uh, she had when she was a kid. And it's a really sweet scene of him, I don't know, just like getting to know her and understanding her. And I think it's just like, it's a nice just scene. I think the whole series, at least the first two movies in the Santa Claus series, uh, kind of represent the theme of like adults rediscovering Christmas. Like in the first one, it's Neil and Laura, uh, the parents of us, like Scott's son, Calvin. Um, who he's divorced from Laura. So like, yeah, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and they kind of rediscover Christmas and have to believe that Scott Calvin is Santa. But in the second one, it's kind of these, these teachers rediscovering Santa and as well, Carol Newman having to rediscover Christmas for herself. Uh, so that's probably the most Christmassy scene. I really love that idea, Madison, of like a whole bunch of sad adults. <laughs> but the, uh, just getting together and being like oh 
this is what I wanted for Christmas when I was, you know, eight years old or whatever. I think that's a really fun idea, especially for what a lot of people I think consider a very Christmassy movie. It doesn't necessarily check all of the boxes of what we said in the beginning of like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Um, It's definitely more of a, I don't want to say adult Christmas movie, um, but something that I think, um, yeah, a whole bunch of (laughs) teachers getting together and having this like kind of forlorn Christmas party, um, but they're not exactly happy about it. I think that's a really fun um, idea. And I think it's funny um, in the sense that then just Santa Claus shows up and is like, hey guys, remember the spirit of Christmas? I think that's really fun. Um, And I'm really glad that you talked about that scene in particular. For me, I think with the holiday, the most Christmassy scene for me is when, I think her name's Amanda, the girl from LA, like flies over to England and she's exploring this village. And it's so picturesque and snowy and it's um like this tiny little English village with snow and Christmas decorations and I think it's so beautiful um and it's this girl who is not dressed for the weather um being there in the snow um and everyone's like saying happy happy Christmas because that's what they say in England um and I just really like the aesthetic of and I think Zinn mentioned this earlier, the aesthetic of Christmas and the aesthetic of that time period um, being the most Christmassy part of the movie. So personal picks aside, what do you think is objectively the best Christmas movie of all time ever? It's a Wonderful Life. I agree. That is also my pick. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm really ruled by like subjectivity. Um, I do like A Wonderful Life. Uh, I do find it a bit long because of my shortened attention span because of TikTok and Instagram and all of the social media, but it's, it's a great movie. I'm not, I'm not saying it's that. I'm just saying that I can't pay attention for long amounts of time, but man, it's difficult I, even though I kind of trashed on it earlier a little bit, I do still like A Christmas Story. I think it's a really good, like, narrated piece. I think it, like, everyone can kind of relate to it. I also think that The Holiday is one of the best Christmas movies, and that was actually my second pick. I was gonna do that, but I think it's a really good one. It spans kind of the holiday season. It has a scene of like Hanukkah in it. They have like a little Hanukkah party, uh, Arthur Abbott, Iris, um, Jack Black, and like a few other like people. Um, and then it also has like New Year's right at the end. Um, so I think it spans the holiday and it's a really good story. I think it's just going to be me re- reiterating Rowie's thoughts, but like I just think the two women's stories are really good. I especially like Iris's story about her like self-discovery and just her uh because in the beginning she's basically in this like really toxic relationship with a co-worker 
um that they're not really together he's just kind of taking advantage of her and he gets engaged and he keeps trying to contact her but finally at the end she she tells him off and it's a really nice scene and she finds uh like friendship and like community with this old playwright or this old like uh screenwriter uh near her like uh home her like uh rental home in California so I think it's a really nice Christmas movie with uh some good themes I'm so glad you agree I love the holiday I think you definitely touched on some things that I didn't necessarily get to in the first when I was first explaining I also adore Iris's um storyline I love her um arc with um I think you said his name is Arthur Abbott um the screenwriter I think it's a really cute friendship that they have and I'm really glad that they included something like that and like you said it is um spanning all of like the holiday season it's like most of December um which I think is a really it's a really fun idea to have like these two people who are definitely not in places that they normally would be kind of have their own individual character arcs and finding love and finding friendship and kinship um, and self-realization and I think it's a really good Christmas movie I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the best Christmas movie ever um, like objectively in the sphere of because I did just say it is the best Christmas movie ever in my opinion but in the sphere of like all Christmas movies that are like quintessentially Christmas I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the best but it's definitely up there for me um I don't know if I have a definite pick of objectively the best Christmas movie right now I think A Christmas Story is up there for me I haven't watched it in a while and I definitely should rewatch it and It's a Wonderful Life I think is a really safe pick but you guys have all said things that I definitely agree with flip side does anyone have an argument for what is the worst Christmas movie ever and you can't just say Hallmark movies in general you have to name one um it doesn't necessarily have to be a Hallmark movie it can be controversial but what is the worst Christmas movie ever Uh, I have one that I'm not sure anyone will have heard of uh it was a deep cut on Netflix that my uncle found uh it's called Father Christmas is Back it is not only in my opinion the worst Christmas movie ever made it is the worst movie ever made it's a truly vile and disgusting work that makes me sick to my stomach just to think about. So uh, I do not recommend. What What is the plot of that movie? I would like to ask. In all honesty, I don't think I could tell you. Uh, it's like some guy, a, the estranged father of a family comes back. But that's only like the first 15 minutes. Like he comes back for Christmas and everybody's like, whoa, what's he doing here? But then like a bunch of other plots start happening. And it kind of shifts every 15 minutes. I couldn't really describe to you what the overarching thing is. But like, yeah, the dad ends up getting with like this 19-year-old and he's like 60. And there's some other problematic stuff in there. And it's also just bad. And he's, he's never like, he's just forgiven for his actions. Pretty. It's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's, I don't really remember much of it. I just remember it being truly vile. And there's some scenes that are like ingrained in my memory. So that's, that's my pick. My pick, hands down, is Christmas with the Cranks. For the same reason, actually, 
as I picked Requiem for a Dream, but mostly because in Christmas with the Cranks, it is actually about Christmas. There is no context. Then I wouldn't say as many subliminal messages as there are in Requiem for a Dream, but it gives me, I think it's supposed to give people the message that Christmas is a great holiday and you shouldn't let people be Debbie Downers that get in the way of it. What it got to me was, do not live in a place where anything, let alone Christmas, is mandated to the point where if you don't do it, you are a social pariah. You are, a, you are the devil if you don't celebrate Christmas. And it's just, that's just how it's come off to me. Because that's what the plot basically is. The cranks decide for one year. They have done Christmas all their lives for one year. They want to skip Christmas immediately. Everybody hates them. Everybody protests them. Everybody almost tries to like hurt them or something. But at the end of it, uh, I guess that they are forced to celebrate Christmas and they, they don't even get the say in it. It's just some other guy played by Dan Aykroyd, of course, who <laughs> tries to rally the protesters to help him set up the Christmas things. But to me, that is extremely frightening especially when long after looking at reviews of this movie i discovered that christmas with the cranks is real thanks to something very controversial that is called a homeowners association if you know what those are i feel sorry for you so cranks is definitely worse not because the cinematography itself is bad but it gives a very distorted message that I'm fairly certain it was not supposed to give. But now that it's given me that message, I have some problems with my neighbors celebrating Christmas myself. Cause I'm like, what if they, what if they do something to us? Cause we don't celebrate Christmas. But uh, obviously cause it's a movie that never actually happens. So that's my pick. I totally understand your pick Ormond. Yeah, it's a it's a terrible movie. Um, and it's very bitter. It's just everyone's always bitter. Even like the people who are like celebrating Christmas, they're like, we're gonna kill you if you don't celebrate Christmas. And everyone's just having a terrible time until like the last like little bit. And then they're all like, Christmas now. And it doesn't make any sense. But I guess my pick for the worst Christmas movie is a movie called Christmas Mail. Um, it's, I don't know where it aired, uh, but it was like on Ion. I found it through the YouTuber Drew Gooden, but it's like this discount hallmark. There's like this, so there's this guy and he's a post postal worker and he has, a, he like, he's raising his niece and he meets this girl at his job and she's there to answer santa letters and so they form a romance and it's super awkward there's a terrible boss in it who just like is it's funny how bad he is um the audio mixing is terrible there's they even use like they cgi sprinkles in one scene because they didn't want to use real sprinkles um and so yeah it's just terrible but i I kind of don't want to put it as the worst Christmas movie because I kind of find it great how just bad it is. 
Um, so I guess another one would be Holiday in Handcuffs, which is a ABC Family original Christmas movie with Melissa Joan Hart and Mario Lopez, where uh, Melissa Joan Hart kidnaps Mario Lopez and forces him to be uh, her boyfriend for like a, a fake boyfriend for the Christmas season. And then like he doesn't press charges at the end or anything. And it's like it's like the kidnapping is like for a laugh. So that's probably like the worst one. That's a bad one. I've never heard of that. It's uh, sounds fun. Yeah, I was going to on that last point you made about Christmas mail. Madison, I was going to step in and defend it a little bit. I do think that's a movie that's so bad that there's like so much entertainment value there. Like it, everything they did was the wrong choice, but in the best kind of way. Um, so it does get a little bit of a little a little um, bump up because of that, I think. Yeah, Madison, would you say that this is like the birdemic of Christmas movies? I guess sort of a little bit. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's so bad, it's good. And it's like, I guess it's sort of like the discount, like Birdemic. I, I haven't like really seen Birdemic, but it kind of seems like the discount Sharknado in a way. And this is kind of like discount Hallmark. So it's like in a way kind of so bad, it's good and just, just terrible, but it's just, it's terrible, but it's great. Oh boy, I can't wait to see you. Those are some really great picks for me. And this is a Hallmark movie and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, it's A Christmas to Remember um, starring Mira Servino and Cameron, I can't pronounce his last name, but it's essentially the plot is um, this woman, Jennifer gets into a car accident, has amnesia, and then is saved and discovered by this man who brings her into his town um, for Christmas and they celebrate Christmas together. They do this several times, by the way, like the amnesia storyline is something that Hallmark movies love to take advantage of. I'm like 90% sure the new Christmas movie with Lindsay Lohan has that storyline. Could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's so stupid for me personally. I hate the amnesia storyline and that movie in particular is kind of awful um, just in general. It has a mainly white cast with one black woman who is like the token person of color and they're like oh because she's not even from the village. She like comes in to like save her friend who is the one who has amnesia. Um, so it's like it's a whole thing. I don't like it. I watched it with my mom once. Um, it's awful and I hate it. Um, those are some really fun, uh, awful Christmas movies though. And I'm very much looking forward to watching all of them. If you were, okay, just to wrap this up, this is like the last question. Um, if you were to give an elevator pitch for your Christmas movie to someone to convince them to watch it, what would like the one minute what is your elevator pitch for why you think your movie is best? Uh, that's pretty, that's a, a, a big, a big thing, um, especially because just as a preface, I don't actually think like for me, The Green Knight is a perfect movie, but it's not a movie I'd readily recommend to a ton of people. Um, so I don't necessarily have a full pitch for why it's like the best Christmas movie or one of the best movies in general, other than 
Um, if you really like Arthurian legends, if you like the pace and the feeling of Arthurian tales, uh, this movie captures it in a way that I haven't ever seen before. It manages to really get that feeling, the kind of tedium and the seemingly pointlessness, but like the deeper metaphorical layers of actions and of quests. And it's slow and weird and horny. And so once again, I hate to use this word again, weird, um, but in such an authentically 14th century Arthurian way that I've never seen any other movie do before. And it just, it, it kind of, it kind of rules for that. I guess my pitch would be, do you want to believe in Santa, but you can't do it on your own? And you also listen to conspiracy theories? Why don't you get a prescription of Requiem for a Dream? It's the best pro Santa movie. Santa's not even there. You don't need Santa. You can just love Christmas on your own, and Santa will come down your chimney, and he will eat your milk and cookies. Talk to your doctor about. <laughs> no, I'm done. Sorry. Uh, I guess mine would be. I think it's like just a sentence, uh, more than like a thirty-second pitch. But I think mine would be: sad adults rediscover the magic of Christmas, and evil plastic Tim Allen Santa. Need I say more? Solid. I think that's really solid, and I'm now going to watch Santa Claus too. <laughs> For the holiday, I think. Jack Black is in it. Kate Winslet is in it. What else do you need? But also, it's a really fun story. It's about self-discovery and falling in love and unconventional types of love in air quotes. Um, and also Christmas. So if you want a wholesome Christmas movie with friendship and love and English countryside, what more could you want from a movie in general? Um, but yeah, I think those are all really good picks and I'm really excited because I'm definitely going to go watch all of those movies after this, but that's all I have. So thank you guys so much for being here. You've been listening to Film Club, a production of the Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Kendrick Whiteman with the holiday remix by Ormond Lois. Alaska Teen Media is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Community Foundation through the 2022 Healthy Communities Arts, Culture, and Play Grant. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like ATME. Just head to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. If you are a young person ages 13 to 24 who loves movies and is interested in being part of our film club, go to alaskateenmedia.org join. Or you can send us an email at news at alaskateenmedia.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. 
For the Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Quinn White. Thanks for listening.